Welcome to Lynn Cullen Live, talk radio without the static. Email your questions and comments to lynn at pghcitypaper.com. And now your host, Lynn Cullen. And uh, good morning to you all. Welcome to the, what is it, Wednesday edition. You notice how you don't always know what day it is anymore, but God knows we can't forget this year, 2020. So it's a Wednesday. It's uh, actually in April, and it's the 15th. Your taxes aren't due. Um, Although, strangely, I am uh, sending mine um, out today. (laughs) Whatever. Oh, guys, I have... um, If you don't mind, I would like to start with um, some sad news and um and then we'll you know get on with with things uh, i um i had mentioned that a friend of mine was fighting for his life in in new york and um yesterday the uh local paper the pittsburgh uh post gazette uh, printed a piece by a former vice chancellor of the University of Pittsburgh, uh, Robert Hill. And uh, it was about, well, it turns out to be our common friend, uh, Clyde Jones. I had not wanted to, you know, say his name, speak of him, because I, you know, I didn't know if his family would want it public that he was uh, suffering so. But since the piece came out, I feel like I, I just need, need to uh, tell you about this amazing human being who is still with us, but has been through hell with this uh, this virus. Um, he has been hospitalized for well over three weeks. He is, um, has been in ICU and still is. He has been intubated. He has been in a, uh, in a medically induced coma. And yet he's hanging in there. And um, Robert Hilf who wrote the piece uh, found found out that that Clyde was um, was stricken, as he put it, and he wrote this piece about this extraordinary uh, man. I met Clyde through another friend, and I had just seen him in February when he returned back to uh, Pittsburgh, where he had lived, uh, to attend uh, some board meetings. He remained on the board of a number of uh, organizations and nonprofits uh, in Pittsburgh. He was one of these people who served he, the, everywhere he went. Uh, Robert Hill, who wrote the piece, fills in 
parts of Clyde's bio that I did not know about. He was not one to talk about himself. I knew him to be an extraordinarily successful man. But it turns out that he came here in um, 2003 from Cornell. And he came to the University of, of Pittsburgh and as a fundraising uh, executive. And that's what he did. Um, he already then, and he would have been so young then, he already had made a mark that was extraordinary. Um, Robert Hill says of him, simply put, in the premier professional academic medical fundraising world, um, he was the best. At Cornell, he managed to talk uh, Sanford Weil, who then headed Citigroup, right, out of $100 million dollars. <laughs> And and then went back and got 50 more out of him or something. I can't imagine anyone turning Clyde down for anything. Uh, Pitt brought him on when they were trying to raise half a billion dollars. And um, he helped them get to $2 billion dollars. Clyde was the president of the UPMC Pitt Medical and Health Sciences Foundation and vice chancellor for health sciences development. That's how I, I didn't know some of all, I just knew that he was the guy who raised money for UPMC and I used to rag him incessantly about working for the evil empire. And he was such a gentleman he would laugh, he would, uh, you know, tolerate my barbs, and he was never anything but warm and delightful, as he was February when I last saw him. Only two years after he'd come here, Elsie and Henry Hillman, the richest folks in town, billionaire philanthropists, uh, got Clyde to help them establish the UPMC Hillman Cancer Center. And that, to this day, is the largest gift in Pitt's 218-year history. Clyde got stolen away from us five years ago by the Metropolitan Museum of Art in New York. They wanted his prowess, and they got it. And now he lies fighting for his life at Mount Sinai Hospital. And inasmuch as any of you can spare good thoughts, prayers, anything for him, please, please do. Um, Clyde, although it's not important, was the most robust-looking, handsome man. I just, you'd swoon 
as I did in February when I walked in and there he was because I hadn't seen him in years. Um, he's just like six four, gorgeous move. Well, uh, Robert Hill describes him as movie star, handsome, gorgeous man in every way, and. He was African. He is. God, stop. Stop doing past tense. He's a gay African-American man, too. Nothing, nothing stood in the way of his extraordinary success and contribution. And as Robert Hill points out, he has done so much to raise funds for hospitals, including ones in New York. And now he is fighting for his life in New York. Robert Hill finishes his piece by saying that Clyde is a young man who has devoted his life to securing millions in resources to support health care systems, both in New York and Pittsburgh. Everyone in both cities who knows him and cares about him, which is everybody who knows him, passionately cheer for his speedy and full recovery. Not a day has gone by that he has not been in my my thoughts. And I also want to note the passing of my friend Nancy Polinski's parents who died in within hours of each other of this plague. I had seen Nancy a week ago while I was out walking my dog. We happened upon each other. I asked how she was and and she started to say fine but then broke down and and said my dad is in the hospital and he's not expected to make it. And I said, oh, my God. And she, what was killing her is that he was alone and that her mom couldn't get to him and she couldn't get to him and be with him. And then I said, well, how is your mother? And she said, mom's tested negative. Thank God. And then I got the news from our synagogue yesterday. Her mom was hospitalized. As well, her bed placed in the same room with her husband. And there they were together as they'd been in life for 60 plus years. I knew Nancy's parents. They lived in Florida. I knew them because they would come every year for the Jewish high holidays And Nancy would always put on this big spread for friends 
to break the fast of Yom Kippur, and we would all go over there and have such a wonderful time. Her parents were wonderful, wonderful people. Her husband, David Johnson, the anchor at WPXI, has posted uh, a Facebook uh, piece that has also been picked up by the papers about losing his beloved in-laws, who he called mom and dad after his own parents had died. And my heart goes out to them and to Nancy. For I just can't imagine. And so I, I just wanted to sort of bring you up to speed in terms of, you know, how this thing, this horror, this cataclysm, this catastrophe, this menace, you know, touches us in ways that are, you know, just close to unbearable and not... I my family has not been touched but my friends and their families have already and I hope to hell that somehow we figure out how to beat back this scourge so That said, I'm sorry. I, you know, um, <laughs> it's so hard. It's just so hard. Okay, I'll try to move on here. Um. Uh, God. Um. I'm I'm sorry, but I'm going to have to talk about this despicable man, this awful, awful human being. While so many wondrous people are being brought down, and he, he, with his incompetence and selfishness and ability to only care for himself, his indolence in office has easily resulted in the deaths of thousands and thousands of people in a country that he swore to protect. I don't know why I watched some of it again last night. I watched in horror and incredulity. And horror and incredulity that these self-aggrandizing meltdowns of 
disinformation that Trump is engaging in continue to be carried by CNN and MSNBC. Where the hell are their heads? They helped elect the SOB by doing the same kind of thing, never being able to turn away from the shit show. There is no excuse now. None. Unbelievably, in the midst of this horrific pandemic, which will kill millions of people around the globe, he yanks our funding for the World Health Organization. Because he's trying to blame them now for being late out of the gate about it, for credulously believing China. When as with so much of what comes out of this monster's mouth is mere projection because he was the one late out of the gate. He was the one extolling China's pandemic response. And now he's decided it was the WHO's fault. And he's taking a half a billion plus dollars out of their hands when they have never been more in need. You know, there are people like Nancy Pelosi who can say, I don't hate anybody. I am not such a fine person. I hate this man. I hate him with a fervor that is killing me. Do you know what the New York Times reports today that I guess it was just two weeks ago, he walks into the coronavirus task force meeting and he has a brilliant idea and he throws it out there. And he said excitedly, you know, I've been thinking I should do a two-hour radio talk show every day from the White House. We'll take calls. We won't screen the calls, he said. This will be the opportunity for people to just talk to the president. And the people in the room, they didn't know They just sat there with, what? And then 
he said, but as much as he wanted to do it, he had decided he just couldn't. And you know why? Because he thought it would hurt his friend Rush Limbaugh's ratings. I got to tell you, that is an indication of the only minimally selfless act that this man has ever or thought that he's ever had. He didn't want to hurt Rush Limbaugh's ratings. I don't know what we're to do when we are so ill-served not just by our elected officials, but by these cable net, these cable networks who continue to uh, carry this drivel. You know, C-SPAN carries it. And CNN and MSNBC can certainly have reporters that follow, that even attend that ask questions, and then report back to us any true information that results from this horror show. Um, okay, hang on. Um, Yes, Barbara points out that um, Nancy Polinsky, um, you see on WQED, she does, uh, and she and her mom was on, wasn't she? Her mom and she were cooking on that uh, QED show with Chris Chris Fenimore. Nancy does. Um, she's so smooth. She's so, God, what a capable, extraordinary woman, and she. She also is the publisher of uh, that magazine, uh, Shady Avenue, that uh, covers the east end of of Pittsburgh. Um, And yes, Nancy, you saw Nancy and see Nancy when QED uh, does fundraising. Um, so this is a riot. Can I, um, (laughs) this is so funny. I just, this is from Father Joseph. Are you really a priest? Father Joseph, Lynn. I didn't know you were still on the air. (laughs) Good for you and for Pittsburgh. In 1995, wow, you did me the honor of giving me a call after you attempted to eat me alive on the air. Oh, my God. 
what? What? In 1995, you did me the honor of giving me a call after you attempted to eat me alive on the air when I told you Shannon Faulkner, you'll remember, the first woman who was allowed to enter the Citadel, the um, military uh, academy, when I told you Shannon Faulkner did not break the glass ceiling. I had based my point on my experience at West Point. Wait, a priest from West Point? I, I based my point on the experience at West Point, which I entered just after the first class with women graduated in 1980. I knew we had a long way to go before the glass ceiling was actually broken because I saw doors still closed to women as a cadet. You shouted me down. Oh, my God. Moi? You shouted me down, questioned my credentials of ever attending West Point. Oh, my God. And then called me later that week at my church. What? To say you knew I was right. Wah, wah, wah. You had just been caught up in the moment. Oh, my God. I have no memory of this. A priest who went to... <laughs> West Point? <laughs> Father, who? I'll tune in today. Father Joseph, call in. I just finished 35 years of service in uniform. Oh, my gosh. And have returned to Pittsburgh. Gosh, I love this place. Keep at it. I think your voice and your honesty is a treasure. Kindest regards, Father Joseph. Oh, my God, have you lifted my spirits. Gee whiz, thank you. Thank you so much. Oh, what a funny story. You know, it reminds me of... Um, Tony Norman, the columnist for the Post-Gazette, once did a piece on me. I think it was when I, I lost my job, when uh, WTAE Radio went to a sports format, and he wrote an appreciation of, of my work. And he said, and I remember taking umbrage <laughs> at the time, he said that I, Lynn argues even argues and screams at people who are agreeing with her. And I thought, I do not. <laughs> and your, your, your email here it makes, me, makes me think of that. Oh, my God. Yes, and Tony says, little Tony says, did you hear Trump's having his name put on the stimulus checks? You know, you can't, you can't stay ahead of the appalling, self-aggrandizing of this man. 
I'm sure that that's illegal in some ways. How is the president who has nothing, he has no, he, it's not like he's signing the checks, you understand. They have to be signed by the, I assume, the what, the treasury secretary or the head of the IRS or something. No, his signature is like going on the memo line. And thank God most people will be, will be spared having to hold that check in their hand since I assume most people will have them, uh, you know, electronically delivered directly um, into their bank accounts. And by decreeing that his name will be on those checks, He's holding up the dispersal of the checks for people who are in desperate need. He is evil incarnate. Pictures of the devil should no longer, you know, be with the red cape and the and the, you know, horns on his head and the whatever. It should be Donald Trump. Because I cannot think of a more satanic being. Keith writes, the amount, the number of kind, reasonable people that I know who speak of Trump and say, God, I wish he would get the virus and die, oh, God, is off the charts. These are people who are not vindictive or violent. This is the poison that this man is. And I would argue this is the poison he creates. He is so filled with hate that he creates it in our hearts as well. He, it's extraordinary. Um, I believe I have a call. So, uh, caller, go ahead, please. Lynn, this is Father Joseph. How are you doing? Oh, my gosh. Father Joseph. So, are you, you were a chaplain in the army air force air force so yes so i started out at uh, west point did my time as a combat arms officer and then went to seminary and then uh went back in in the air force as a chaplain for heaven's sake my lord and where did you serve exactly <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You know, now that I've been let loose on the internet where the FCC can't get me, I'm sorry, Father, but my, <laughs> I must confess, I have a foul mouth. I have a foul mouth. And I'm, please forgive me. <laughs> oh, gosh. So you're back, but you're, and where are you at, uh, serving in a church or are you, what are you doing? 
I'm retired. So I did a double oh. retirement. So I'm, so I'm retired and uh, just uh, enjoying retired life right now. And uh, well, as much as you can under these circumstances. <laughs> so, yeah. But it is a joy to be back. And, and uh, I'm just north of uh, Pittsburgh, but uh, uh, it's, it's a joy to be back in the area. Boy, I love this city. I love this area. It's, it's, you return back to the Berg. It's just, it's just special. It, it, there is something magnetic about it, isn't it? It pulls us back. Absolutely. Were you originally from here? Is this where you are a native? Yes. I yes, see. Yes, I, uh, yep, yep. Uh, went to school. Um, uh, do you remember Whiteman School? Of course. Yeah, I went there. So, you went to Whiteman so, um, School, which is now a, um, where a, a wonderful uh, daycare uh, center is. As yep. as, w- as well as other nonprofits, I took um, I think I took tap dancing lessons in <laughs> Whiteman School at one point. Oh wow! So you grew up in the East End. I did. I did. Yeah. So, with the Whiteman, then Risenstein, which is gone. <laughs> it <laughs> sure so, is. And then, and then, and then in, Taylor Albright, and then West Point. <laughs> wow! And then West Point. And so, how did you get from the Army to the Air Force? How does that work? So while I was doing uh, my job in, as a combat arms officer, I was also active with the local chapel, uh, doing Sunday school and things like that, and, and really felt that's what I really needed to be doing. So uh-huh. um, I t- talked to the, looked at it, and they really thought, you know, um, I, I'm, I'm enjoying what I'm doing, but I'd like to do uh, do something else uh, in serving our people in armed forces and helping them with their their uh, Free exercise of religion. So uh, I went to seminary and came back. And so I just came back in the Air Force. It was just a matter of uh, the Air Force was, uh, they have a pretty good uh, recruiting program. (laughs) 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 Did you you ever have to go um, overseas, like in any of these endless wars we seem to get in? Yes, yes. uh, You know, yes, because, because the airmen... Uh, go, we we go with them, and sure. the idea is that we want to make sure that we provide uh, uh, for the free exercise of religion for for all of our airmen. So we right. we try to do that and, and care for them. Mm-hmm. So yeah, absolutely. So what happens if you are, um, yeah, you're the only chaplain around, but there's a let's say a, a Jewish uh, pilot who needs. Uh, how are you able to you know deal with that? Or oh, a Muslim. Yeah, so that's a great question. So what we do is we, 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 we provide or we provide for uh, religious faith. So if someone is of the Jewish faith and, and they would like maybe a Jewish prayer book or they would like to be in contact with a, a rabbi on, on mm-hmm. some issue, uh, we try our best to connect them in any way we can. Um, when I was in one location, um, there was no priest, so... A Catholic priest. I'm, I'm, I'm Orthodox, but there's a Catholic priest. Oh. And uh, he, um, so what I did was contracted with a priest uh, in a local area um, to come and to provide Mass. Uh, now, he didn't speak English at all, and I was really concerned. Once he got into the Mass, perfect English. After the Mass, no English at all. Oh, that's I funny. I thought you were going to say once he got into the Mass, perfect Latin, perfect English. Nope. Perfect English. But, he could, but outside of that, no English at all. It was, it was amazing. <laughs> Would you agree with the old saw, there are no atheists in a foxhole? 
Mm, I, you know, I, I think uh, I would never delve into um, uh, trying to root out um, what someone's faith tradition is uh, or journey they're on. Um, mm-hmm. because you never know how one believes when they go into foxhole or when they come out. <laughs> so that's, I think, well, that's true. <laughs> and don't you think that this, this pandemic is, uh, is testing an awful lot of people's faith? I, I think, sure. I think that uh, um, what people find many times is that uh, it either, it, it tends to, um, help them, it gives them a compass by which to help understand or to hold on to um, hope, which is always an important thing. But also, it provides an opportunity for people uh, to grieve in a way that, uh, uh-huh. that is most comfortable for them. Uh, you know, when someone, uh, I remember someone um, mentioning uh, a friend of theirs um, who, who had passed away due to the virus, and uh, this person, I believe, is... He said, um, may their memory be a blessing. And I said, yeah. mm, I, I, I know that. I know that phrase. I, said, I, I, I know that comes from a particular tradition. And so, Jewish. And what they're do- uh-huh. Yep. And so, Jewish. And I, and, mm-hmm. Yes. I, and so, um, uh, so I think that's how people understand that. They, they, they want to make sure that uh, they have a compass by which to help them. At least understand, at least, you're never going to understand all of this. But what you can do is at least find a way to, um, see it through, and that's yeah. probably the, the best way to put it. But you know, the the thing is, is that the social distancing has deprived us of so many of the uh, rituals that help us grieve. Um, you know, mm-hmm. in for instance, in the Jewish tradition, uh, you know, you would people would come to your home and you sit shiva. You 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 you, you are together. Um, and no one can have that comfort now. Yes, and that's, that is, uh, and here's the thing uh, that I find unique about this, because I've been through things like this before, not quite at this magnitude, but I will tell you that after um, something like this, you, people value those opportunities more than ever after they realize, uh, you know, of course they die in during, during a time when they are able to, to, to exercise their, their faith. But when uh, particular rituals are not available, my yes. goodness, it changes the way you feel. Um, right. I'll give you a quick example. Um, I was at the Pentagon when it was attacked. And, oh um, uh, and I will tell you that um, in the Pentagon, when you walk around the Pentagon, the, the big thing was people never made eye contact. You're always... <laughs> You're already busy walking around. You know, it's a very big place. Um, uh-huh. But after, after, the, after the attack, I saw people would not acknowledge one another. Uh, we had uh, posters from school children all hanging through the hallways. I was telling them how much they appreciated us. And so, yeah. Yeah. So that was very touching. But to see people responding to one another in a very human way yeah. um, was, was just re- really – because now they realize how precious yeah. life is. And so, yeah, right. there's some very important lessons here. Well, I have to tell you, you made my day. I so needed that. Uh, it was almost divine intervention that you sent me that uh, email today because <laughs> I was really down. So it's, thank you so much. And it's, I'm so happy you're back home. 
Um, oh. Really. So I yep. hope you keep listening, and I'll I'll try to I'll try not to be quite as uh, you know. Uh, well, I'll try to keep my mouth in some check, knowing you're out there. Okay. <laughs> I understand. You okay. Okay. You too. Somewhere. Thank you so much. Oh my gosh! Unbelievable. Well, that was uh, boy, that helped me. He's an Orthodox priest. Huh. Man. Okay. Um, I'm going to move on, I guess. Oh, you know what? I got something fun. Because I saw it on Twitter, um, and I thought, boy, <laughs> let's, do, let's do that. Someone tweeted... Hey, give me a word that would make a great baby name if you didn't know what that word meant. And the the person who tweeted it said, like, omelet. <laughs> so, what a pretty sound, omelet. And you can see how, oh, we got a beautiful little baby girl, we're naming her omelet. But you don't because you think omelet. And I started thinking, and um, it is funny, you know, if you have any ideas, uh, send them my way. But I I found myself, and maybe it's because of corona, um, thinking of diseases <laughs> because a lot of them have actually sound like beautiful names like uh, rubella angina <laughs> chlamydia <laughs> seriously you know and uh well those are mine so if you want to throw any my way <laughs> feel free just just for a laugh because my gosh we need it um, what else do I have? Uh, yeah, I also had this thought, and I do, I have two thoughts. <laughs> Sometimes there's even three in the course of a day, but there are two that have occurred in the, in the recent past that I, my failing memory can, uh, you know, can, can reach. And one was that never before have we been more in need of information, of, of newspapers, right? Never more has journalism uh, been essential. And like so much in this horror, exactly when we have never been in more need of journalism, we're losing journalism. Papers going under. Journalists being laid off. 
And it is like what I was talking about with the father that, yeah, yeah, you know, with so many of us visited with death now, and yet we cannot access the, the very, the very things that give us some balm, some, some that help us heal. Exactly the time when we need to hold each other. We cannot hold each other. The very time when you need to hug someone to say, I love you. If you love them, you will not hug them. The ugliness of this plague is just breathtaking to me. I read somewhere today that a virus, you know, there is no such thing as a good virus. There are good bacteria, right? There are bad bacteria and good bacteria. There are good people and bad people. There are no such thing as a good virus. A virus has no reason for being other than to invade a host so that it can replicate its despicable self. And that brings me to this other thought I had. But a virus is part of the natural world, right? It's part of this world. It was, here it is, and has always been these viruses. Just like everybody else out here looking for a way to survive. And as I watch the horror of destruction of those tornadoes, Uh, a few days ago and thought, my God, my God, it isn't enough that those poor people are sick and terrified and isolated and unable to be with loved ones and and have lost their jobs and all of the horrors that are going on, but you have to come and blow them away, blow their houses away, make them homeless too. And so that is nature too. I was thinking about the power of the natural world and how puny, how puny we are when it decides to flex its muscle. From the horror of a huge F five tornado barreling at you to the 
microscopic death deliverer of a virus, right? Who the heck do we think we are? We're nothing. Nature will be here long after us. And you see how we despoil nature. Now with the blue skies over L.A. and New Delhi, you see how quickly nature says, where'd they all go, these destructive jerks? Where are they? Look at the air. It's blue. Look, at, look, they're not, oh my gosh. And you've seen the pictures of animals roaming into cities and saying, where the heck are they? The bears in Yosemite, the, the wildlife all over saying, why do I feel so much safer now? So much freer. Why does the world seem better? Those are some of my thoughts. Okay, baby names coming in. All right, baby names. Art says, paradox. <laughs> yes, we've named her Paradox Angina. How lovely, paradox. Um, you know, I was thinking, what are words that do sound wonderful? Uh, I have one because it's one of my favorite words. Uh, one of my favorite things, and that's murmur, murmuration. You know, a murmuration is though that when birds by the, you know, tens of thousands get together in the sky and create those, those undulating, wondrous, uh, natural works of art as they, as they fly together in some. Who knows how that works. That is a murmuration. Bill suggests chlamydia. I, <laughs> right? And placenta. Absolutely. And here are our daughters, chlamydia and placenta. Actually, I did hear that a Indian couple uh, who had twins born uh, in the last few weeks did name them Corona and COVID. Dear Lord. Um. <laughs> Ed, Ed says, <laughs> a woman on a bus in New York City was yelling at her child and was calling him spatula. Spatula. <laughs> uh, uh, Spatula. Oh, my God. Uh, right, uh, uh, here's one. I used to work for a woman named Candida or Candida. Candida? Candida. I swear on my entire life she went by candy. Well, sure she did. <laughs> Don't swear on your life. Jonathan says, all right, diseases. Here's some buttes. Malaria. That would be a nice one. That's a very pretty one. 
Um, oh, this is a good one because you got us out of the ending in A stuff because that, you know, legal. I mean, speaking of kitchen utensils, we had spatula just a moment ago. Ladle. Sounds Yiddish, doesn't it? Hey, and here's my little boy, Ladle. 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 Duvet. (laughs) Aw, this is cute. Bobbin. Bobbin. Shady. Oh, I love it. And Jonathan also brings us follicle. And of course, you would call follicle folly. (laughs) David says, I knew a woman who was a nurse in the delivery ward at the hospital, and some little teenage girl came in, had a baby, and insisted on naming it meconium because she had heard the word and thought it was beautiful and insisted that her that be her kid's name. My friend said, no, you don't want to name her that. But the girl insisted. And finally, the nurse showed her the definition, which I did not know. Meconium is the word for newborn baby poop. <laughs> uh, oh, and we get a Definition here from David. Unlike later feces, meconium is composed of materials ingested during the time the infant spends in the uterus. Intestinal epithelial cells, lanugo, mucus, amniotic fluid, bile, and water. What a recipe. Anyway, she ended up naming it something like Scheherazade. Like the kid is going to hate that for the rest of his life. Teenage mother says David should not be allowed to name their babies. Listen, my my parents were not teenagers, and they named me Ida. Ida Lynn. Oh. More emails from you guys. Hang on. Um, Susan writes, has Trump thought this all out, putting his name on the stimulus checks? It is an invitation to cross out his name and insert great orange one, snowflake, or something even more rude. He doesn't care. He'll never see it. Uh, There's never been a more self-unaware human, a more bewildered, lost, empty soul. And if I were a better person, I would feel sorry for him. But he's doing too much damage for me to feel sorry for him. Ah, Michael from the Cynic says Zelia Noble. That's very pretty. And you call her Zelie. Why do I always think these are girls' names? Zelia Noble. I thought Ladle was a boy's name. And here's something from Sally Wigan. And it's not a baby name. She says, in regard to my rant on nature, the problem is the virus lived in these jungles, in the animals that we ripped out of nature by illegal wildlife trafficking. This is true. And we brought those animals to the Asian wet market 
in Wuhan. Sally writes, SARS and corona came from those markets. And scientists believe that the virus mutated in the wild animals trapped in cages in those markets when they were under stress. It is on us, on us humans. Sally says, we caused this, and now we will pay. Wow. Yeah. I can't argue with that. Sally and I and another friend are doing a virtual uh, happy hour later today. And Sally, I was going to ask you, can you, you want to be on the show for a half hour tomorrow if you got the time? I think you should. We could use some, and I'm thinking we'll be, you know, have fun. Mostly. I hope. I so desperately need it. Um, I believe I have another caller. Caller, go ahead, please. Hey, Lynn. Hello. Hi. Um, you were talking. Hey, what happened to Ryan today? What happened to who? Ryan. Oh, Ryan. Well, you know, these are strange times, and I, I thought that what we will do is if there's a specific something that is uh, that the anyone on city paper wants to you know i'm leaving it up to um the editor lisa cunningham to let us know if there's something uh from the paper that we could use i mean so i went beyond ryan okay and i didn't hear from her this this week i think she's sort of busy so that's that's what happened okay is that okay it's okay with me girl okay Speaking of Lisa, um, I got two city papers. I finally got out to my mailbox, and I got two city papers in the mail, and I got a note. It says, thank you so much for your kindness. Lynn is so lucky to have you as a listener, and we are so lucky to have both of you. Please stay safe and keep telling those jokes. Oh, wow. Now, wait a minute. Who gets the city paper delivered to him like that? Well, I sent him a money order. And I just, in a letter, oh. I've never seen the city oh. paper. I'm like, You've never you seen it? Me? So you yeah. said, send me some. Oh, that's too yeah, funny. You sent me two of them. Okay. okay well, well, listen, I, I want to, I, I just you're... wait. Well, no, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute. I want to, um, you... Remind me to, again, tell people that if you can, uh, go to the City Paper website and um, give a little. It's amazing City Paper is still alive right now through all this. They've lost all their advertising. So if we don't step up, it's gone. And and a lot of you have, but not enough. So I'm just saying it could be a buck a week. Uh, It could be a buck a month, anything. If we all come together, it works. All right, I hate to ask. You got some uh, jokes? I got one for you. Okay. We don't want to lose. We don't want to lose you either. So send that money and keep them cards and cash coming. Thank you. Okay. Anyway, this guy's driving down the road, fifty miles an hour. He looks out his side window, and there's a three-legged chicken running right along with him. All of a sudden, the chicken speeds up, goes down the road, and makes a left and goes down a dirt road. So he goes, what is this? 
and he follows the chicken down. He loses sight, but there's this uh, lady standing in her yard. So he stops and he gets out. He said, did you see a three-legged chicken run by here? She goes, yeah, I raised them. He goes, what's with the three legs? He says, well, if you're having chicken, wouldn't you like a drumstick? Yeah. Would your wife like a drumstick? Yeah. Would your child like a drumstick? Yeah. Well, he goes, well, that's pretty interesting. What do they taste like? I don't know. I've never been able to catch one. God, you're. Where do you get these? Don't they, don't I tell don't me. Know. Don't tell I, me. You are funny. I, Thank you. Take you. care, honey. I love you. Tomorrow. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye. Uh, Father Joseph has has emailed, and he's quoted a great uh, uh, Jewish teacher, Abraham Joshua Heschel, uh, thusly. The test of love is in how one relates not to saints and scholars, but to rascals. Yeah. Well, that's why I I flunked the test. I can't love horrible people. I just can't. I don't have it in my heart. Anyway, and Father Joseph goes on to say, far be it from me to judge, but I think hate is a very difficult path. It is like pouring water on a grease fire. I think Dr. Martin Luther King's approach with nonviolent resistance and love is the path to prophetic dignity in the face of ideological challenges. Of course, that's the harder path. Those who are able to prevail in taking that road less traveled will find it serves them well during difficult times. It is the good we do, even in the face of harsh ideology and actions, that will eventually win the day. Father Joseph, I am decreeing that you will be the show's chaplain. (laughs) You thought you were retired? I am sorry, sir. You have been uh, appointed to be the chaplain and the much-needed chaplain of the Lynn Cullen Show. Okay. I mean, I know you're right. I know you're right. But then, you know, think. Oh, God, I was just thinking. So, yeah, Gandhi chose that road. He was murdered. Dr. King chose the road. He was murdered. It's so hard. It's so hard. But even though they were murdered, they had this outsized positive force that lived long after them. You know, I was reading an interesting book review. <laughs> I read book reviews. Uh, and then you get an essence of something and you, you can you know, spout off something and you haven't really had to read the whole book. But it's a book that's been written about um, Dr. King and Malcolm X and how, you know, seemingly, they only met once, by the way, seemingly they are, um, you know, so disparate in their approaches 
Malcolm X being the you know the you know, flamethrower and uh, Dr. King being the uh, nonviolent peacemaker. But uh, in the book, uh, the author talks about how toward the end, both being assassinated, toward the end of their days, they were both moving closer to where the other had been. Dr. King was, not that he was no longer nonviolent, but he was getting more radical when he was killed. And Malcolm X was going the other direction, losing some of his rage and moving toward a sense of uh, humanity as a whole. And I, you know, I don't know. There's so much to know in this world. Sally says, absolutely, I'll join you. And by the way, MSNBC does cut away from him now and fact checks, but they have to make an effort to serve all people, I guess. No, they don't. C-SPAN can do it. And they don't cut away soon enough. And CNN keeps going back and forth and back and forth. And Wolf Blitzer will say, oh, the president is speaking again. Let's uh, go back and see what he's saying. And then it's just blah, 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 blather, me, 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 me. And they stay there with this crap. Okay, I'm just clearing out my emails here. The Allegheny, Allegheny County Health Department has release their latest, um, their daily update, uh, 904 positive cases in Allegheny County, 146 hospitalizations, and 26 deaths. Um, I believe we have a call. Caller, go ahead, please. Hi, Lynn. This is Joe P. How are Hi. You? Hi. Um, I haven't talked to you in a while, but uh, you said something about the uh, murmurations. Yeah. And I meant to call you. This happened like a couple of years ago. Uh, I meant to call you about maybe that not maybe not that long, but I was working on a school in West End. It was January, and uh, maybe it was March, and it was really cold, but there was all this heat coming out of uh uh, unit on the roof, clouds of steam, and the swallows were swirling around it in a clockwise direction. Yeah, thousands of them. Yeah. And I was ready to see them start murmurating, but they didn't. They were just swirling, and every once in a while, a few would shoot down through the steam. Like it was really cold out. And, wow. And uh, I, I tried to videotape it, but um, or whatever, and it. It didn't work out. It just didn't catch. You know, so so often these things that we see and we want to grab and and hold, and and the camera just can't, just can't do it. Although there are amazing videos of murmurations. Google it. You know, Google them. There are amazing videos. uh, Yeah, I I looked a bunch of them up. They they are unreal. But a couple of days later... I was driving um, through straw pump and I was sitting at this red light. 
there's a really steep hill there. And I was sitting on the steep hill at the red light. That's where I learned to drive a clutch. My dad took me over to that hill. It's really steep. It comes up to 330. And right up straight ahead through the intersection, probably over Westmoreland City, like just before dark, there was this murmuration. And I was floored because it didn't seem like anybody else could have seen it. Because I was looking up along the road, up through the crack in the trees, you know. And they were just right there for maybe about 15 seconds. I don't think I've ever seen one live other than that. And I was flabbergasted. I've been wanting to call you about it since it happened. It's been a long, it's been a long while, but it was amazing to see live, you know? Yeah. Wow. uh, Hey, nice to hear from you. Are you still able to work? No, I'm, uh, I'm not working, but we're doing really well here. Uh, my old lady's working and I have my three and a half teenagers are home. And, uh, (laughs) <laughs> we uh we we only had one near um Donnybrook here, only one, so that's pretty good for all this time. <laughs> and all these all these hormones, teenagers are crazy. Oh gosh, yes. <laughs> but you're holding in there, huh? Holding up, huh? Oh yeah. my gosh. Okay, take care, Lynn. Bye. Hey, it was really nice hearing you. Thank you. Bye bye. Bye. Oh, gosh. Murmuration. You know, I actually have a a book, now that I think of it. Where is it? Maybe I can find it. Um, And it's a book that was... Oh, come on. You know... What's the point of having books if you can't find what you need when you when you need them? No. Um, okay. Well, I'll look for it some other time and maybe be able to share with you. It's called, I think it's called a murmuration. No, it's something about murmuration and it's, um, darn it. Sorry, I'm looking at my bookshelf here. And and trying to find this wonderful book because there's some extraordinary things in it that I could share with you, but I can't for some reason find it. Um, but it is um, about the the words that are we employ, many of which we don't uh, know, that are the words that we use to define a grouping of certain animals. So, um, you know, a, a murmuration is, is that kind of a word. Or um, a, a murder of crows. Um, and then there's, why can't I, if I swear to God, I saw it just the other day. Um, and amazingly, it was by the... Uh, it was put together by uh, James Lipton, who was the who died very recently, and um, he was the one who did those wonderful. I'm I'm blanking now on the um, on the name of his show, um, where he would interview um, actors and and people in the theater, and uh, they were wonderful, wonderful interviews. Uh, Oh, here it is. 
And, oh, the book is called, oh, my God, An Exaltation of Larks. Can you imagine? Who came up with that? Is that not perfect? An Exaltation of Larks. Well, okay, I'm not going to... um, a leash of greyhounds. <laughs> There's a million of them here. And that's where we get things like, you know, a den of thieves, a can of worms. I guess he goes into more than, um, he's just doing uh, a leap of leopards, a parliament of owls. Oh, get this one. Is this not the greatest? An ostentation of peacocks. Ah, <laughs> uh, you know we know some, obviously, pride of lions and gaggle of geese. Um, so this book pulls together, I guess, all of these um, terms um, that re you know, that talk, I'll never, I, I can't think because I'm trying to read at the same time. Oh my gosh, get this. Think of, think of uh, runway models. And now what would you call a group of runway models? I love this. A slouch of models. A blur of impressionists. Oh, wow. So um, this is, uh, apparently in this book, there are over a thousand resurrected or newly created contributions uh, to these words that define, um, oh, it's just brilliant. If you if you can look it up, a buzz of barflies, a canopy of cat caterers, a complex of psychoanalysts and a kvetch of hypochondriacs. On that, I will, I think, desist. Uh, oh, guys, thank you so much for, for being there. And um, so tomorrow, um, let's, let's have Sally, uh, you know, come on. Uh, maybe in the in the last half hour or so, even though we're going more than a, we went for an hour and fifteen today. We're just playing it by ear, okay. Uh, but again, I can't thank you enough. This is the best part of my day uh, by far, and um, uh, and a special thanks to Father Joseph, who. Uh, is just a a wonderful addition. (laughs) So thank you all. Uh, Be safe, be well, and I'll talk to you tomorrow. Bye. Lynn Cullen Live, Monday through Friday from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. and archived at pghcitypaper.com. The opinions expressed on Lynn Cullen Live are those of the host 
and do not necessarily reflect the viewpoints of Pittsburgh City Paper or its advertising.